Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. Today's episode is one I taped at ACG Denver's Rocky Mountain Corporate Growth Conference. It features Adam Bosco, Director of Corporate Development at Trimble, a company whose motto is transforming the way the world works. Adam talked about what that looks like, as well as Trimble's M&A strategy and how its corporate development team is structured. If you're listening and you too work in corporate development, you should consider attending a new event that ACG Global is launching this year. It's called the Strategic Acquirer Summit, and it will take place in Dallas on November 4th and 5th. We'll have more information about the event at acg.org. And now, here's my conversation with Adam Bosco. Adam, thanks for joining me. Great to be here. To start off, can you provide an overview of Trimble and its business and the types of customers you serve? Yeah, of course. So Trimble's a, a public company. It's been around for over 40 years. We just actually celebrated our 40-year uh, anniversary. And it started out as one of the original uh, geospatial antenna companies. So they made kind of very high-end uh, GNSS receivers uh, when actually even before the GPS constellation was put up. Um, so from the very beginning. And um, after uh, several decades actually of doing that almost exclusively, we realized that we were enabling all of these other industries that were starting to rely on precision location and mapping, um, things that with Google Maps today we sort of take for adva- take advantage of. But um, the idea is that you know if you know where your assets are, where your workers are, where you are, you can make your business that much more efficient. You can drive that much more value out of it. And so as a result, um, right around 2000, we started investing much more heavily into specific industries. Um, like agriculture and construction and transportation, uh, which are now make up the majority of our large franchise businesses. So everything we do is still technology enabled based on location, precision location. Um, But now, you know, we have businesses that are working with Microsoft to build hollow lenses to be able to see 3D models on construction sites. Uh, We have large transportation software businesses that... uh, that create, uh, you know, locational awareness for lots and lots of assets on the road. Um, we enable farmers to do very precise agriculture where you know exactly where a seed is when you put it in the ground and how much to water it and how much to fertilize it uh, and what the yield is going to be in that field. Um, so it's really cool. And, you know, our, our corporate motto is basically uh, uh, changing the way the world works. And I, that's what I really love about it is it's both high technology, but also many, many people who work at Trimble have worn hard hats and have steel toed boots. And they know exactly what the high value problems are in any given industry. And I understand the company is pretty active in terms of M&A. So I wondered if you could talk about what the M&A volume looks like in a typical year and in, in your role with that. Yeah, yeah, we have been, and, and that makes it exciting for me, for sure, which I like. Uh, we do, historically, we've done about seven to 10 transactions a year. Um, most of those are small technology tuck-ins, although occasionally we do much more transformative deals. Last year was actually a very big year for us. We did two of our biggest deals ever in one year. Um, so I was I was really busy last year, which was good. Um, and you know we we do rely heavily on um, inorganic growth as part of our strategy. We've got you know great organic growth as well on on the R and D side. Um, but we also are not afraid to go out and, and buy capabilities and people if we think that it'll help us go in, a, in the direction we want to go. 
Um, and in particular, we have a dedicated uh, corporate development group that handles all M&A functions. Um, I think that shows up differently in different companies. At Trimble, uh, our role as, as corporate development leads is essentially cradle to grave on a deal. So we're working with the businesses on their strategies, on building a pipeline. Once they've identified candidates, we're helping to um, validate those and do early due diligence. Um, and then really all the way through the entire deal cycle once we've decided to do something. Um, and then even in, in many cases, doing integration on the back end and, and taking care of post-close issues. Hmm. And how many people are involved in the M&A side at, at Trimble? For the amount of deal volume we have, we're pretty lean. That's actually sort of a general Trimble uh, philosophy is to be as lean as possible. And so we hire you know very qualified people, but we also expect them to do a lot. Uh, so we basically have three dedicated M&A people. Um, and then we have lots of support within the businesses themselves. So given the amount of volume we do, most businesses have done a couple of deals in the last few years. And so they it's not like they don't understand the process or what to look for. Um, but we're always there shoulder to shoulder with them, making sure that, you know, if they have any questions or, um, you know, if we need to step in on any unique issues that we're there. And can you talk about what attributes make a target attractive to Trimble? What types of businesses are you looking to acquire? Sure. Um, I mean, I don't think it's uh, good pro- profitability and growth, right? I think like most people sure. would say uh, the things, though, that, that Trimble in particular is looking for. Um, we, we tend to be looking for a little bit more of a mature business. Um, you know, we are a public company and, and we certainly are very driven by public company financials. Um, in addition, we are working in markets where either technology penetration or proving out technology adoption can be challenging. And so there's a lot of Silicon Valley hype in some of the markets we work in. And I've spent much of my career doing corporate venture capital, too. And so I I love working with startups. Um, But in general, Trimble is looking for companies that have scaled their model and proven out that it can be adopted. Um, So usually it's not a startup per se, or at least a later stage startup. Um, And then one of the other things that, you know, we have a large hardware component to our business, but we're also trying to move as much as possible towards um, software over hardware where we can. Um, so we're very we're highly interested in companies that are mostly software and in particular software as a service SaaS type models. Um, that's good from a financial perspective. We think it's good from a customer intimacy perspective, um, and it's uh, certainly good from an accounting perspective, which makes it a little easier. So, and in terms of those acquisitions, are you? buying technology that has applicability across industries or is it typically industry specific technologies? It's a little, yeah, it's a little bit of both, but it's actually a great question. It's something we wrestle with a lot. Um, the idea of platform technologies that can go across verticals is it's attractive, but it doesn't always pan out that way. And so that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time in due diligence talking with companies about. Um, we found that companies that are a bit more focused on a specific end market vertical uh, end up being able to stick to their business plan better. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have kind of grandiose ambitions that talk about the portability of some type of technology to multiple end customers, the challenge is that it's very difficult even for us to know all of those customers at one time. And certainly a smaller business where you've got you know a CEO with limited time and bandwidth and R&D dollars, it's very difficult for them to have broad customer intimacy. And often that's what we're looking for. We're looking for great technology paired with really deep customer intimacy. 
And you mentioned earlier that Trimble also invests heavily in R&D. How do you think about what to develop internally versus what you want to go out and buy through an acquisition? It's, you know, I think I would say Trimble is is pretty much on par with most large technology companies and how we view that. Um, you know, certainly time to market is always one of the biggest considerations. Given the depth of technical expertise we have, we rarely come across somebody that's got something that, you know, we say, well, there's just no way to replicate that or you'd never be able to do that. Generally, it's more about, okay, what are the trends in the market that are driving us to think we need to be able to offer this capability to our customer? And are we better off, you know, entering with a more mature solution that we could go out and acquire versus, um, you know, having to develop it internally? The other thing is a big factor for Trimble. We put a lot of emphasis on management teams. So if you look even within Trimble today, a lot of our executive team is made up of people that came in through acquisition. Um, and we like that. We take a lot of pride in that. Uh, we think it's a great place to work. And we think that you know bringing in talent that way keeps our kind of general management philosophy and strategy fresh and, and open to what's happening in the market. So in, in some ways, you know, it's not that we're just buying a piece of software or a new piece of equipment. We're literally buying the team that developed that who we think can help us go to the next level with our internal strategy as well. And has Trimble faced any disruptors in the markets that it serves? You know, like every company out there, basically, absolutely. Um, and Trimble is, it's interesting in the sense that um, doing the positioning that we do at the core of our business has become uh, so much more commonplace. You know, I mean, it's a it's a huge venture capital investment area. We've got lots of large industrial players that have focused on that over the years. I think where Trimble has been able to essentially maintain our differentiation um, that has really not changed in 40 years is by having the relationships with end customers. Um, you know, we have joint ventures with several of our large partners. Um, we have joint technology road mapping with several of our large customers. And so because what we're really doing is bridging the gap between new technology and those customer applications, the differentiation really there is in the trust of the customers to bring them the new tech. I mean, they can always go to some smaller company to have, you know, the newest uh, whatever it is. Um, but at the end of the day, we are bringing them essentially the guarantee that this is going to work with your systems. We're going to help you scale it. And we understand how to bring successive waves of technology into your offerings today as well. Mm-hmm. We're talking about really high-end technology, mm-hmm. right? And large either capital expenditures or commitments for um, big enterprise software. And so it is important to have a good partner like Trimble that can help you through that adoption cycle. And just, you know, as we face disruptors, our customers do as well. And so they know, like, this is not the the only technology wave they'll be facing. Um, And there's lots and lots of examples across all of our industries, whether it's construction or agriculture, transportation, utilities. I mean, it's just basically the same pattern repeating itself where customers have to get much more adept at adopting technology. And what about deal terms? What are you seeing in the market right now as you're going out and pursuing M&A? And has this been fairly steady in recent years, or have you seen terms shifting? Well, I think they're always shifting because they're a reflection of the market for sure. Um, At Trimble, one of the things we really try hard to do is to develop early relationships with companies that we think may be of interest down the road. Um, And that kind of goes hand in hand with what I said earlier about management teams and the importance of management teams. 
even some of the larger deals that we've done recently that have been process deals where they were in an auction, we knew the management before that. We knew a lot about the company and we already had our own thesis developed internally. And so I think this does relate to the question around terms. You know, terms are certainly going to be somewhat dictated based on the market and the desirability of an asset in the market. On the other hand, there's a lot of other factors that often come into play with our types of deals that are not really financial and legal terms. It's, you know, things like the management wants a good home for the company or the management team wants to continue to be part of the picture um, or, you know, they essentially want their employees to be treated well. There's, there's a lot of other kind of factors. So, you know, what I often say is we are very, we're very active in the market, right? And you don't get to be active in the market without paying market rate on market terms. So that's always important to us. Um, but on the other hand, we also think that, you know, we're not just trying to be some sort of financial acquirer out there. Um, we are developing relationships with the companies that we buy and, and sell. Um, and so that's kind of how we ad- address changes in terms, essentially. Mm-hmm. And in terms of building that pipeline, how much is handled internally with your team versus using outside advisors? Um, it's it's certainly a combination of both. And we have some very good relationships with outside advisors, um, had some participation from them on some of our larger deals last year, um, and you know continually talk to them to make sure we're not missing anything. On the other hand, given what I've sort of talked about before in terms of the depth of our knowledge on very specific industry verticals, we have a pretty good grasp of what the addressable market is for deals. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know almost all the companies that we need to know. Generally, what is super helpful to get from bankers is um, either geographical expansion. So that's something that we we are a global company, but we are biased towards the U.S. and Europe. Um, and so we certainly appreciate it when somebody brings us, you know, a new lead in a new geography and says, hey, this looks a lot like what we think you've been talking about, but we're not sure if you're aware of them. Still a mature, very, you know, nice company in their market, but because it's outside of your focus area, maybe you've not been introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, so that certainly happens a lot. Um, and then just in terms of understanding when companies are thinking about going to market, I mean, that's something too where, even in because just because they're on a slide that we look at every quarter doesn't mean that we're necessarily talking to them every quarter. And so we always want to know, you know, is this company thinking now is the right time for an exit? Um, and our banker friends certainly help us with that. And in terms of who you're competing with for deals in the market that, that you um, conduct M&A in, are you typically competing with other strategic buyers? Is it financial buyers? What does that landscape look like? It's it's a bit of a mix, and it really depends. I mean, we have so many different verticals that there's really no single answer across. Um, I think some of our markets have certainly attracted more PE interest over the last few years. And given the amount of dry powder that's out there for financial sponsors, um, I think they've expanded their areas of interest and certainly have continued to be very aggressive and going after these types of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the other hand, I don't know that it looks that much different for us from a competitive perspective than it did five or 10 years ago. Um, and we still, for the most part, approach it the same way. 
Um, we've tried to be a little more creative in, in how we deal with, for example, the ways that private equity have changed the market. So uh, we use rep and warranty insurance quite frequently now, which is something we didn't necessarily do before. Um, we debt financed a deal last year um, based on where the credit markets were and uh, just the size of the deal. And it's not necessarily because of PE that we're doing those things, but obviously they are tilting the market quite a bit on, on some of those issues. And then one last question for you. How do you measure success in your deals? It's always a good question. <laughs> I'm always, and I'm always open to any good ideas that people have. Um, we do think it's, it's certainly important to conduct lessons learned exercises and to track things, um, not only from an accountability perspective, but so that we are constantly making ourselves better and how we approach deals and execute on them. So we, we certainly do financial tracking of our deal models. Uh, it does become a little bit challenging once you've started to integrate things, and, and it's always tough to do apples to apples from a pre-close view to a, a post-close view, especially after a few years. Um, but we do strive to do that. And then we look at strategic execution. Um, so we do have – our CEO has been very fanatical um, in a good way over the last few years and insisting that we have uh, – we call them actually a prose document, and it's a fully written business plan. Um, we try not to allow our business leaders to get away even with PowerPoints. They have to be able to write out, you know, 10, 15 page documents that are coherent about what their strategy is, how they're going to execute, what the roadmap is. And the good thing about doing that in a, in a more extended long form format is that you can really go back to that four or five years later and say, you know, you put a lot of stuff on paper and, and you really made a commitment and how did that pan out strategically? Um, so we do that as well. Adam, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help listeners find out about us. After you've rated the podcast, head over to our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more stories about successful mid-sized companies and middle market M&A.